Welcome to the final episode of Absurdity featuring yours truly, Ryan Becker, sick with a head cold and ready for the final episode. We, Tony, we did it. We released one episode. We did it. Every single Woo! week. No every breaks. Single week. I, I didn't think we were going to make it. I got to be completely we had, honest. We had I did some, not think we were going to make it some weeks. We had some real close calls. Uh, that's for sure. Even tonight, so even close. this episode. Oh my gosh. Uh, with me being sick and us having a bunch of technical issues before we hit record tonight, uh, this was this was this I've, was a close I've had call. So many crazy things happen tonight. Well, this whole this whole holiday break has just been like insanity um, for my family, for myself. It's just been like absolutely bonkers. So to be able to be like the one steady thing that we've been able to do is record. It's like hallelujah. <laughs> I'm glad that absurdity is the. Uh, is the stability in your life. That's, that's where you right, get right. not, not, the not a relationship. Thing. Nope. Not church. Nope. Well, that's, that's, that's been steady too. Let's talk. But that about, hasn't been the entire year. Yeah. That has been say the entire year. Yeah. This has been every single week, uh, consistently. And now technically we've released 51 episodes this year because the first and last week of yeah. the year overlap yeah. with the, you know, the prior and the, the next year. But, we also released a bonus episode or a part two episode of episode 111. And that counts as a, cause it's a full hour episode. Uh, it's a full hour part. So yes, that counts. We released 52 episodes, one for every week of the year. And I am incredibly proud of it. And I just want to take a moment to brag about that because I didn't think we'd do it either. I, there were times where I even told you, I thought that we would like, eh, we'll just release some like other version or we'll do, Maybe we'll just take a break that week or I'll release a Patreon episode or something. I don't know, but, uh, nope, we just did it. Uh, we managed to find the time and make the time and we did it. Uh, we did it. So hey, it's, just- it's like, I'm, I'm really proud of absurdity and like our, our audience, you know what I mean? Who's stuck with us. Who's like, it's exciting to see that every week we have people that actually listen and, and you guys have just become like such a significant part of our lives, you yeah, know, it's for, really for cool. two years now. It is. Like that's what's crazy. It's, it's like two years. It's been three years for me and it's, it is a, well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's been a, it's, it's wild to see where we're, where we're, where we've come and uh, where we're headed. And uh, for those who don't know by now, I don't know how you've missed it, but we are launching the absurd podcast network in mid January. I'm also releasing a brand new podcast in mid-January called uh, Beautiful Faith with Henry Johnson. And so uh, you'll be able to check that out as well. We've been recording episodes for the last couple months, getting ready for the the launch of that. So uh, just really excited for all of the stuff that is coming in 2020 for you guys uh, and uh, that's coming from us and coming from other shows on the network as well. So I'm sitting in a hotel in Orlando, Florida, visiting family for Christmas and before I head off back to Chattanooga in the morning, we figured, why don't we, why don't we talk about politics? Because that's the thing that everyone wants to talk about around the holidays is politics. So uh, if you didn't know, Christianity Today, which is like the biggest publication in all of Christianity, like in, in, it is. It's, it's definitely one of the most well-read across the 
Everyone knows about Christian it. Christian spectrum. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I, I did not know until this whole thing came out. I did not know that Christianity Today was founded by Billy Graham. Did not know that. Uh, so that right. was yeah, something yeah, yeah. I learned. But so December 19, uh, Christianity Today published an article from the editor in chief uh, who is, what's his name? Mark Galley. Uh, Mark Galley. Yep. yep. Mark Galley. And the headline is Trump should be removed from office. So spoiler alert. That's the episode that we're going to have today is within the first five minutes, we've brought up Trump. You're welcome. So that is what's amazing to me is we've actually gotten to the point of this episode in five minutes, under five minutes, actually. That's That's more amazing to me than anything else. That's because I'm sick and it's late and I just want to get this over with. No, that's not true. Um, (laughs) Uh, I mean, those things are true, but not it's, because we want to get so. It's with. more that I'm sick and don't have the uh, the the what the banter in me right now. Um, I think I think it's I think it's also that this is it's there's kind of no nuance when it comes to something like this. There's like you never have to nuance just hit it to straight Trump. on. Come on now, there's never that's any true. nuance to Trump, and that's not even a pro that's or true. anti-Trump statement. Literally, everyone would that's agree a, that's, that is probably the most bipartisan yeah. statement I could probably make. Uh, in the world right now. So Christi- yeah. Christianity Today publishes this article from the editor-in-chief, and they invoke Billy Graham's name. They invoke Clinton's name at one point because they talk about what yeah. Christianity Today wrote 20 years ago in 1998 about uh, about Clinton and, the Clinton and, and the his whole, immoral yeah, acts. And his whole yes. So there was, so they invoke history in this and their historical kind of uh, yeah. record of speaking out in politics. And one of the things they say, t- the typical CT or Christianity Today approach is to stay above the fray and allow Christians with different political convictions to make their arguments in the public square, to encourage all to pursue justice according to their convictions and treat their political op- opposition as charity as charitably as possible, right? So typically that's what they've tried to do. Uh, then they, they- A neutral ground. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and- then they go on the, the Switzerland of uh, Christian magazines, if you will. Yes, exactly. That said, we do feel it, which by <laughs> the way, we're going to come back around to that. So Tony, if I don't bring that up again, please remind me. Uh, and listeners, if I don't bring it up again and Tony okay. doesn't remind me, then email me, um, which is a high, high likelihood, high chance, but okay, uh, we'll go with it. So they said, that said, we do feel it necessary from time to time to make our own opinions, uh, on political matters clear. So, Right. Uh, they do that. And one of the things they try to grant the president here, and I'm not going to go into like a ton of depth on this. I'm really not. Uh, I think yeah. we'll, we'll link all of these articles in the show notes for you. So you can go take the, you can take a look at those all you want. But, uh, I, I just one highlight from this that, that did get me was, uh, he says, let's grant this to the president. The Democrats have had it out for him from day one. And therefore nearly everything they do is under a cloud of partisan suspicion. Okay, fair. I'll grant him that. I will grant that statement. The Democrats really have had it out for Trump since since day one. But uh, the 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 thing that I the thing that catches me here is they say, and no, Mr. Trump did not have a serious opportunity to offer his side of the story in the House hearings on impeachment. All right, I'm only going to say this once, but. They definitely subpoenaed people from 
the White House, and the White House openly said we are not participating in uh, in this impeachment process. If you want to talk about they didn't have a serious opportunity, they literally ignored subpoenas, and Trump ordered them to order to reject subpoenas, and then everyone's now everyone from not everyone. I need to avoid generalities. But now several people are saying that it was a partisan hack job and the Democrats didn't let Trump hear his yeah. side, you know, have his side heard when Trump literally banned his side from speaking, like especially the people that well, were I in mean, on it's like, a tr- it's a, it's a true statement that he hasn't, you know, had, had his side speak. We haven't heard his side of the story. But you can't say, oh, well, it's because they didn't give him a chance. It's like, no, they literally yes. ordered him they to tell his side ordered of the story. his people to do that. And he was like, no. Yes, exactly. So they, their whole thing, just, just cats out of the bag here. This is, this is the, the, the brief version of it, uh, is yeah. basically they say, look, he's been immoral. He's been, uh, he has damaged the reputation of evangelicals as are, as have evangelicals support of his immoral behavior and actions um, one of the things that they say, uh, you know, how can we say with a straight face that abortion is a great evil that cannot be tolerated and with the same straight face say that the bent and broken character of our nation's leader doesn't really matter in the end. And, and I think that's a fair question to ask regardless of, you know, what you happen to think of, of Trump. Like a lot of people, uh, it seemed to acknowledge that Dude's got a colored past and a colored present and, uh, and how he speaks and how he acts and, and has damaged, uh, a Christian witness overall, even with a lot of the appointments that he's made and a lot of the things that tip- typically evangelicals would be supportive of from a conservative political agenda. Okay. Fair. So after this, uh, the Christian post, uh, I think is the article that made this kind of public. Yeah. Yeah. That was the, uh, that was the magazine that, that, did the next like they they interviewed well there was a letter that they posted and then they also interviewed uh galley mark galley yes. the, the editor so i'm gonna i'm gonna we'll we'll put links to both of those the only one that i'm gonna mention here is the letter so nearly 200 evangelical leaders slam christianity today for questioning their christian witness so they write a 200 leaders all signed uh uh 200 evangelical leaders all signed which is weird that they say this because like one of them is definitely Michelle Bachman, who is a U.S. House of Representatives former member. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. what? You're not an evangelical leader. You were That's a House of not, you were yeah. a rep. I don't, what? Uh, I mean, she's definitely she is a, a person of note. She is a leader who happens to be an evangelical. A, a, right. Yeah. Like that's, I mean, it's, it's like saying, oh, well, uh, what's the guy who, the singer who's to like always on Oprah and yep. Oh, I can't remember who's Adventist. I can't remember his name now. Oh, but that's like saying, Oh, like, Oh, well he's an, and you know, an Adventist leader is like, well, I mean, he's well known and Adventist, but like, yeah. he's not a biblical scholar. Like he's not on, you know, the GC delegate or anything. Exactly. So the, this letter dives in to Mark Galley's past and his bias that he's written about against conservatives. And they go into like, he's Mr. Galley has written other statements about Americans who chose Donald Trump uh, and, and referring to them as these other evangelicals who often haven't finished college. And if they have jobs uh, and apparently most of them don't, then they are blue collar jobs or entry level work. 
as he describes himself with pride as an elite evangelical. It's annoying that this in this letter, they don't actually cite any of those as far as like where they got them from, but I'm not going to question necessarily it. I'm just going to say fair point to him for if, if that is, if he's going to write an article about Trump should step down and talk about how they want to speak into politics and how he has a history of not doing so well, that doing so in his history is probably a bad thing and not acknowledging right, that yeah. is a bad, like yeah. that's a, that's a pretty grave misstep it's from a, him. The, right. Right. Which. Yeah. That, that it is. Yeah. Like again, like they don't, they didn't post any links. And so it's like, mm. but I'm sure that he said that before. Uh, well, I'm not sure. I'm going to assume that they actually read something where he said that um, whether or not it was taken out of context, I don't know, but like to say that and then say, Oh, well, you know, we're trying not to be political. It's like, all right, well you can't, you can't yell at somebody and be like, you dumb backwood heck. And then be like, but you know, we're trying to stay out of politics. I'm like, all right, well that's not, you can't do that. Yep. So the, the most damning part of this, other than, uh, other than some of that against Galley was they, this is what they said. Uh, Your editorial offensively questioned the spiritual integrity and Christian witness of tens of millions of believers who take seriously their civil, their civic and moral obligations. It not only targeted our president, it also targeted those of us who support him and have supported you. So uh, they go pretty far here in, in basically saying like, yeah, if you're supporting him, then your Christian witness is called into question. Uh, and, 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 and the article quotes Franklin Graham, who says like, no, nah, I don't agree with Galley, even though my dad founded Christianity today, um, like he voted for Donald Trump and he support, I support Donald Trump. He supports Donald Trump. Yes. So Franklin Graham is one of the signatories on that, uh, on, on this letter. Yeah. Uh, no. there's one of some, the ones. Yeah. there's some, there's some interesting names on here. Uh, yep. for sure. Yep. So I will, I, once again, links in the show notes, go check them out. The, the purpose of this episode is not necessarily the content, excuse me, the, the, the content of the letters themselves. It rather is the kind of larger conversation that, that came out from it. So the last article that I'll bring up is, uh, then Christianity today, uh, makes a response from their president, uh, and, Basically, they, they talk about two ideas, a flag and a table. And they talk about how there is, a, there is a time to plant your flag and say what you believe and stand by what you believe. And then there are times to sit at the table and welcome conversation. And they actually reference the letter. Uh, they, yeah. as they were preparing, they even say, and since an open letter was published, even as we were preparing to publish this statement, let me simply say that I appreciate the thought... It, the thoughts it expresses, and I hope this statement too can be the beginning of a dialogue. So, it is. Uh, they, they Christianity Today basically defends their right to do this. Their their calling or the, their their felt need to do this. Their 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 kind of compulsion to do this, and uh, they believe they're doing their duty as well. And um, it is. <sighs> I guess for me, the conversation that I don't want to have because I, I, I do think it's overdone, but it is a conversation conversation that's come out of this is, is it okay for Christians to talk politics or get involved yeah. in politics? Which, which I mean that the editorial, like the third article, that editorial, it even brings up, you know, it calls it like a sickness. It's like the sickness is the hyper politic, politic, 
politicization. That's a hard word. I don't wow, blame that's you. Hard. Yeah, that one's a hard word. That's like he's five Greek times flashbacks. fast, and I believe that uh, Beetlejuice will come up out of the. Um, <laughs> ugh. But the hyper politicization of nailed it. Look at that. One time. That's pretty good. Of the church. And he says, this is the sickness that has caused these issues to pop up. And that's really what's been going on. And, and, and what's interesting, I deleted the, the Twitter app for a little bit. I check it every once in a while to see if people have sent me messages. And, and um, But I, I deleted it for a little bit while I was doing uh, working on my exams just to, I needed to clear my head. Um, cause you can go down some real rabbit trails. Yes, on that you app. can. But, <laughs> but, um, as I was, you know, finishing over the semester, I was, I was, you know, checking out kind of how Twitter was reacting to this. And it is honestly incredible, man. Like, I have not looked at that at all. So I'm interested to hear your thoughts divided, here. How divided, how divided it is. Like even among Christians, <sighs> Like, how do I say this? I get that atheists and Christians aren't going to agree on politics, right? They're natural enemies. Like the Scots and the English. Or the Scots and the Japanese. I wouldn't say they're, they're natural enemies. Uh, I would say that they're... No, but, but I say that they're, they're, they, they, they tend to be diametrically to opposed. Yes, yes, I would get yeah, that. They yeah, had, they tend to... They, they're... they're, they're um, Moral understandings and the, and the worldviews, they tend to be, if not in opposition to each other, then um, Just mutually two, exclusive. Yes, they come from two separate. Right, yeah. yeah. Like, it's mutually exclusive. Like, like, like you know, uh, um, I don't want to, I don't want to, I won't rabbit hole into any of the things, but you can kind of get what I'm saying, where it's like a lot of times I can either have it or you can have it. There's no like middle yes. ground where we can compromise. And so that makes sense to me. Um, I'd say Christians and uh, Mormons would have, you know, things to disagree with. Um, Christians, evangelical Christians, and say Catholics, you know, because yes. Protestant and Catholic. You could somewhat understand that. But to me, it's like this is this is split in the people who should agree with each other. Yep. Like a people group that has so much in common that it's like, I, this is, I, that's what, that's what totally. And it wasn't like, it wasn't like a, eh, I can kind of see where the article is coming from or, well, I don't really think so, but all right, fair enough. It was like, this is this, they are a tool of the devil. Now they are the, the beast uh, from the from the sea in Revelation, that's speaking like a you know a dragon. I, I mean, like you're getting some like crazy reactions to this, and then the other side, they're like, "This has saved my Christianity. Like I was yep. going to leave the church and walk away forever, and now this has given me hope." And then, oh, the Christian Post taking it back. I'm like, well, the Christian Post didn't actually take it back, um, but like it's this whole thing where it's like this back and forth and back and forth, and. I mean, even the guy who wrote the article, Galley, he was like, this isn't going to change a lot of people's minds. I know that. Yes. But I feel like we have to say this. And what's fascinating to me is even he acknowledged the fact that it's become so bipartisan that there are no, there's no way to reach a middle ground now. Um, it seems like. 
there's no way to reach the middle ground. That to me was what was so fascinating on Twitter was to just see how hard it paints. I mean, it was like, I've seen more compromise like watching rivals play at a football game. Yeah. I mean, well, like I, there was more like, you know, the Patriots playing whoever name it. Uh, and, and them just, you know, oh, well, you know, I you know, you got to respect Tom Brady, you know, even, even people who hate the teams, like I hate their guts, but gosh, dang it. I, I, I'm, I'm a huge Dodgers fan. So when the San Francisco Giants won the world series, I, it was like every, it was like sand in ash in my mouth. All that yep. was beautiful. It felt like, <laughs> like, uh, uh, um, Heyman just said, you know, the most beautiful wine is disgusting to me, but, um, when I watched that series, I was like, doggone, if they didn't play really, you know, like they play good baseball. You got to tip your hat. I hate, you know, I hate them. And the, you know, the next season I was like, burn, um, you know, but you got to tip their hat. They won. They played good. It's like, you can't even have that level of mutual respect at all. There's, there's more, I had more in common in that moment. I would with giants fans. And that's, that's then I feel like this Twitter. And it's like, because at some stage, we're all fans of baseball at some stage, even though you might hate them with every soul of your being, you have to admire the bait. You got to say, wow, that, wow. Well, and wow. that's, that's just, wow. That's my thing is it's not that we won't find a middle ground. It's that we don't even believe that th- there's a lot of people that do not believe that the other side, whatever the other side is, whether, you know, it's one or the other, has any, has legit- any legitimacy yeah. or value to it whatsoever. In fact, they believe that it it is inherently evil to be the other side. And when, yeah. when you have zero respect for that, like one of the best ways to undercut your opponent in a debate or a discussion or an argument is to agree with them. Like is to find something you agree with and affirm that point. It is one of the biggest ways to undercut someone's momentum and completely like steal the argument. And it it's not looking for the one thing you disagree with. It's looking for the one thing you do agree with and a stat and trying to find common ground. And one of the things that way back in, I think season two, we did an episode on the art of listening with Anthony Bosman. And I've brought this up before, but he shares, well, yeah, it was very good. He shares yeah. the definition of a, uh, of a debate being, uh, two people coming to are discovering truth together. And the problem- together. I love yep, that description. The problem yep. is that most arguments are, I have the truth, you have, and, and you don't, and you don't have any part of the truth. Well, that, well, didn't he say like, that's the difference between an argument and a discussion yes, yeah. or a debate or something like that? Where yeah. like an argument is just you trying to prove your point versus a debate is is us trying to discover some truth by yeah. by bringing but opposite the, points together. So there's there's two things that have happened. A, we don't want to talk about religion or politics with people around the table anymore because it's, you know, yeah. ever so ingrained. So instead we take all of our right. upset and hurt feelings on to the internet where we dig into our holes even further, right? That's what happens is all the conversations that you want to have over the dinner table end up just happening online, but without any sort of filter because it's online now. There's less commitment and, and less at stake. It's it's easier to say harsh things when you're not staring someone in the eye. Exactly. For most people, for most people. There are some people who can say it to their face, but it's it's a for most people, it's a lot harder to look someone in the eye and just be like, you are a despicable human being I hate everything yeah. about you. But here's here's the there is nothing there is nothing worthwhile. 
but uh, you know, across from a keyboard, or you know, how dare they not think that the last Jedi was decent? Like, I will crush your soul. By the way, Rise of Skywalker was awesome. I love it. The series is great. All of you are stupid if you don't like it. <laughs> I haven't even There's seen the last one. There's nothing of value. There's nothing there of value. There is nothing of value. I know you haven't. That's why. I, yeah. No, you're that's fine. why I'm not going to say any details. That's why I have avoided no, I it. But it. I have to mention that it's out there, and I love it. And you ended the series perfectly. Thank you. Um. The don't add me. <laughs> don't add me. Because God help Twitter still you deleted. Me. Uh, God have mercy on your soul if you no, add me. I so okay. So here's here's yeah. I think. The other struggle that I have with this, outside of the fact that there's no res- the even like ounce of respect from a lot of people to the other side, the other thing that I struggle with is that at some point agreeing to disagree is allowing someone to continue in a behavior that actually could be harmful, right? So at some point, if right, yeah, it, it's it's this idea that if if your beliefs are causing active harm to my people or to myself, then no this isn't an agree to disagree thing because your beliefs are literally causing like, like the thing that you're advocating for is actually causing active harm to, for example, people of color, to refugees, to immigrants, to uh, native well, Americans. Okay, so to, let's, you, do you see what I'm say saying? Something like, that's a little bit easier. Yeah. Let's, smoking people who, who advocate for the right to smoke. Okay. You, by saying that you can smoke anywhere you want are, are giving me cancer and everyone around you, cancer like that's a scientific fact it's no longer a theory it's you are in fact giving everyone cancer so it just just say well you know i mean there's a right to no it's like you you it's not you know we can argue all day about immigration all this but it's like okay the right for you to do whatever you want is going to kill other human beings as someone with asthma thank you we're saying that. Yeah. Like that's, that's, and, that's, and yeah. so to me, I'm amazed. I'm like, I've never heard of a contact high when it comes to cocaine. I'm not saying we should make Coke legal by any stretch of the imagination, but I am saying it, it doesn't give you cancer. And yet, well, that we know of, I mean, you'll, you know, they'll stab you. Well, yet, I mean, everything gives you cancer, but <laughs> you'll probably die before you know, the cancer know for would have fact, a chance to do we're, anything. We're, yeah. I'm like, we're, ha- we know for a fact that, that smoking does that and, and secondhand smoke causes, you know, this issue vaping now. I mean, it's great. It's not as prevalent. Uh, uh, and there's, uh, you know, a lot less people dying from it, but it's the same thing. It's like, if you got rid of vaping, it's like, yeah, but that's even a right just to yourself. It's like, yeah, there are some things where your, your rights are causing harm to other people. Your perceived and, rights and or your you privileges have, your or whatever. Rights. Yes. It might even be a privilege. It might even be a right. But if it's coming at the cost of someone else, then we need to question, is this... Let me... And, and let's be specific. Is this something that's a right that's worth keeping? I don't want to even say the cost of someone else, but I want to say the physical well-being or the... Because like... Right. Yes. So what they'll say is like, Physical, oh, yeah, emotional, but, but your policies or spiritual would make me have to pay more in taxes or whatever. And like, I'm sorry. I don't see... like I. You can you can get on me for this being a false dichotomy, but I don't think it is. Uh, like I don't see people being locked in cages and you paying increased taxes as the same thing. Like I don't see that as the I don't see that as oppression both ways. Sorry, I just don't. Um, the the I get that 
like we've made it very clear already where we stand on this. And if you were listening and you were expecting us to be a little bit more neutral, like I go listen to episode 107. If you want to understand my feelings on being neutral yeah. at some point, <laughs> in other hey, you words, brought it back. yeah, at, at some point being neutral is, uh, taking a side because you're allowing yeah. and you're permitting the, the, uh, the dangerous behaviors or belief systems of another to continue doing their thing. Oh, I just don't worry about that, that thing. Well, because it's not a problem to you. Like you have the, you have the privilege of not making it an issue in your life. Whereas other people don't have that option. It literally becomes their life, right? A 16 year old dies of the flu in his cell. There's a video where you can watch it happen. Like you can literally watch this kid, 16 year old in a cell die because no one took care of him and he was completely neglected and no one, and no one cared. And this was an immigrant who, as far as I know, well, I won't say one way or the other, whether this was an asylum seeker or not, but I'm pretty sure it was. Um, but like a lot of these, a lot of like, for example, the immigrants being locked up are asylum seekers, which means they're doing it the legal way anyway. So, and they're still being locked up in a cage and forgotten about, like that doesn't make any sense to me. It just, it, it, and so, no, there is a, there's a certain point where I just can't be quiet about that anymore because just being quiet out of respect for the oppressor. Well, and, and the thing is, this is what I respected about the article itself. And this is the idea about going into politics. The Mark Alley was like, we're not really talking politics in the article. He says, I'm talking about moralization. And from a moral standpoint, this is how we have to act. And I think you have to look at that. And to me, I think that's where the intersection of Christianity and politics. You could yes. argue for other places, but to me, I fall along the lines of absolutely where moral, where morality and, and politics intersect. That is where Christians should get involved. Um, and by morality... I mean a biblical morality, not a traditional morality, um, not your perceived morality. I mean, if you were a Christian, Jesus, yes, yeah, what Jesus put down in the good book for reals, though. This isn't, you know, this isn't what your preacher said. This is what is in the book, and when you read what's there, now, granted, I, I, that is totally open to interpretation, and I'm that's where to me the discussion can come in. But when it comes to things like abortion, okay, there are there are verses that talk about this. And granted, you can go back and forth on what that means and, and the perceived legalism, but it's like, yeah, we should take a stance on it. Whether it's one way or the other, we should take a stance on that. The death penalty. Uh, you know, I, I don't think the Bible has a really hard feelings about whether it should be 55 or or 65 on I-10 going through Florida, but, or not Florida, Louisiana. I don't know, whatever. Does I-10 even hit Florida? I don't think it does. Yes, it does. It passes through Florida. It passes through Florida? Yep. The top, like, Ocala? Okay. Yeah. Um, yay! North of Prairie Oh, Conference. I know, because I drove through it, and then I hit the I-8. Yep. Um, cool story. Uh, where was I? Something. Like, I don't really think the Bible has a... I don't really think it has a strong view on those types of things. Um, or even, I, you know, I think economics it does too, but but let's say trade discussions with China. 
um, <laughs> and NATO and said, no, I think that that's, a, you know, you can, you can use more common sense and, and economics and, and maybe use principles, but I don't think it has a hard stance. Definitely has a hard stance on uh, things like, like smoking, uh, murder, things like that, you know, states of refuge. Like it has a hard stance on divorce, Ooh. You know, it has a hard. It has That's a hard, hard one. It has a very hard stance on uh, taking care of the poor, the orphan, and the widow. Ding, 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 ding. So let's say welfare. So it has a hard stance on it. And you can disagree with it all you want. You can say that it's not relevant. You can say that, but you have to, if you claim to be a Christian, you have to have a stance on it. You have to have a stance on it. Well, and um, I would argue that your stance should be in line with what the Bible actually says on those things. It should be in line with what the Bible says. If you're trying to live your life the way Jesus Christ talked, now I will say use use an exegetical, historical, grammatical hermeneutic. All it is to say, don't just pick and choose where you want to read from it. Look at the actual text. Um, look at the context like of Thomas the text. Thomas Jefferson, look at the context of it. And read look at it the in history. a historical, grammatical way. But, but yeah, like, you know, what Jesus said, understand it, study it. If we're studying the Bible the way we say we do, I think the way that we vote changes a lot. And I don't mean party to party. I mean the way we vote. We actually go down and look at each issue on a micro-political level and a macro-political level. Well, and I think, um, I think there's... And, and, and to be fair to Christianity today, they write about this when they say, look at what we wrote about Clinton. They came out hard on Clinton. And they said when he yeah. lies, he tears down the fabric of this nation. That's a true statement. That is a true statement. Well, and just just so we're clear on this, Christianity Today's subscriptions have actually boomed since this happened. So if anyone thought like, oh, they were going to hurt for this because they stood up against the evangelical right wing, they're not hurting. If anything, their subscriptions have actually grown from it. So I, there is that to say too. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, I mean, who knows... I mean, who knows if that's why they did it? I, I you know. Oh, I can't. I'm not going to question motive one way or the other. I don't I'm know just saying you, that that's a reality of it. Yeah, like I don't even know. Yeah, like, but that is a reality where it's like taking a hard stance. Usually, people want to listen to you, but I think at the same time, the question becomes: Where do we as Christians get involved? And I think it's where. I think it absolutely is when it comes to that. Now, again. You can argue, for instance, I have had people say to me, okay, well, but the welfare state is different from providing for. That should be uh, uh, an assignment of the church. That should be consigned to the church. And I'm like, correct. If churches were doing it, I don't think the, the state would have to. Yep. If every church and every denomination in this country had welfare programs for their communities, because there are a ton of churches across this great nation. I know I have driven all over this doggone great nation and I'm not being facetious when I say that I have literally driven through, I think 45 of the 50 States. Wow. I think I'm missing like Connecticut. Um, half of them were, were with Steve over the summer. Um, <laughs> but I've literally driven through all of them and I, there are a ton of churches. Um, I, I virtually every single community I can think of has a, a church, a Christian church, not a place of worship, like a Christian church. 
Um, and if those Christian churches did what the people who argue to me against welfare as a state-led program, what the Bible told them to do, provide for the widows and orphans and poor, yeah, we wouldn't need to talk about that because it would be done. But this yeah. is the problem, that they're not getting it well, done. So as a Christian, I should vote in a way that gets them taken care of. And by the way, these programs, uh, if people don't access them, it's not like the money just like, oh, well, you know, I guess we'll just use it to buy balloons. Like, no, the the, the money gets siphoned off to other things. It, you, you can't just tax someone, give that budget off. Like there's a process that goes through it. So there's a lot of that. Well, I didn't do that much research into it. I know that there is a budget that goes back. Well, but I know that that it if it doesn't get used, it does get used a lot. But the point is, we need to take care of those that are under us. That is a biblical mandate. And if we were doing it the way that we were supposed to, we wouldn't need to worry about the state doing it. But the problem is, we haven't. We haven't stepped up. And and this is the issue that we're facing where it's like, yeah, okay, so now we have to get involved in the political sphere because the truth is the church hasn't done what it needed to do. And when I say the church, I mean the Christian church hasn't done what it's needed to do. Not just our denomination. Well, and Not I, just I would, the Adventist, not even mainstream, not even evangelicals. I'm saying Catholic on down. Well, I, I, would, I would say there are two things I would say here. Number one, I cannot remember where I, I can't remember who I heard this from. It's not like, Oh, it was a friend that told me this. Like this was a, this was a speaker that I heard this from. And it was a, a fact that I could actually cite at one point. I just cannot remember where I like where it was anymore. Um, but I, I do remember learning that if any one of the major Christian denominations, any, any single one made adoption and the, the foster care system, their primary like platform, or like their primary mission field, they could end the orphan and uh, foster care foster care crisis. Just, that yeah. whole system, it, pretty much overnight, if because like one Christian denomination has enough families and enough homes and enough resources to actually solve that crisis. If just one denomination, and that really put it into perspective for me, the kind of power, the untapped potential that is sitting within denominations. So that's number one. Number there's, there's 1.2 billion believers allegedly in Christianity yeah. in the world. That's, that's a, a full seventh of the world. Yep. There's what three, I forget how many Adventists there are in the NAD, but there's a lot of us. It's either, I think it's 300 Three, 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 million, three hundred, three, three, three million. I want to say it's three, three million. million. It's three million. Yes, I was like three hundred million. That's not right. Because um, I'm like, there's, there's not uh, that big. We we don't have the most for sure, but I know there's no, no, no. But like, I was just like, wait a minute, I'm blanking million, here. Yeah. It's three million. I'm pretty sure yeah. it's a little over three million. But like, there's a lot that can be done with that number. Um, right. There is a lot that can be done with that number. And I mean, and 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 again, we're not, and we're not even the best. <laughs> From a from a st structural perspective, we're not even the best ones to take care of things here because most of our tithe goes out. Well, all of our tithe leaves the local church, uh, but most of it does not come back. Adds a, a a large portion of it does not come back. Offerings yeah. run the church. 
um, to the conference level. So like, it's one of those things where like a Baptist church that can, that, that keeps, I don't want to call out Baptist, but let's say a church where the denomination is community and it keeps the tithe in house. They can do way more. Way, oh, you mean the denomination way, is way congregational? More. Is that what you mean? You said yeah, community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Congregational. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah. Uh, congregational. Um, and and the tithe stays inside, you know, that congregation and, and can be used for the community. I mean, it's like that they can they're they're situated to be able to help so much more. And even and even if we step up whose structure is not that way, we could do so much more. Yes, I agree. And I think the other thing I'll say is this: I care far more about protecting the the. I don't want to say the feelings, but I'll put it this way: I have less reason to care about hurting the feelings of someone who has everything and they're perfectly fine, and like they're going to go to work tomorrow and they're going to come home to their family and everything's great, as opposed to protecting the rights or protecting the lives of. Uh, someone who is, you know, in crisis right now for whatever reason, whether they are in the middle of an abortion decision, whether they are uh, facing immigration crisis or deportation or whatever. Like, I care far more, like they're in a greater state of need than an immediate need than me worrying about the opinion or, or uh, like potential uh, offense taken at some comment I make on a podcast. <laughs> but number two, is uh, one thing that I've noticed, and this is this is something I've learned it, and not just like anecdotally, but like it's a it's a thing that people tend to be. It's all the college students and all the young adults tend to be liberals and more liberal and progressive, and for more social programs and social welfare. And then the older they get, when they age out of that phase, whatever, they start to become more conservative. I'm not saying that all. Older people, all Gen X and all baby boomers are conservative. That's that's like factually not the case. I'm just saying that the pattern tends to trend in favor of as you get established. Yeah, we we, yes. we tend to, yeah, as we get established, we tend to get into patterns that we, we feel are more comfortable. And we tend to stay in that level of comfort. The human body tends to stay at rest and the same with the human psyche. Correct. So one thing I've noticed is, yeah, as we accumulate more, which is what happens as you get older, you accumulate more stuff, you accumulate a family, you accumulate a home, you have belongings, you have these, you have these certain comforts that you don't want to leave. Uh, your life becomes more about protecting what you have than making sure others also have. And um, I think that is one of the motivations that comes with people being or becoming more conservative over time is you want to no. quite literally, and I'm not trying to make a pun here, but you do want to conserve the way of life and the way things are that led you to be in the position that you're in or that you believe led you to now, be in the position you're in. Yeah. That being said, I know, I, I, I mean, I can't even count on my hands the amount of conservative traditional people I have met that are, are not only willing to give, but are extremely generous um, Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. People that, that give with, with, cheerfulness in their heart. So we're not saying that that is, oh yeah, this is absolutely how it is. But you will tend to see this across the board, across Christianity, across atheism, um, non-believers, Islamic, well, I mean, let me, let me, uh, let me, Buddhist. 
Like this just tends to be a human condition. Yeah, I was going to say, like I built my podcast up to a certain level. I don't want to ever go back away from that level or do anything that would. Oh that yeah, like if we had to go back to. Can you imagine the first mics that we started with? Yeah, like that's what I'm saying. Like everyone oh has that tendency. This isn't. This isn't. A, right. Oh, you're a terrible person because you, like. But being aware of that tendency and understanding that, uh, like just because we, I hate. It's a lot easier. To, it's a lot easier to shout like, man people with stuff should have to give it with nothing. Like it's a lot easier to say that than the person who has the, you know what I mean? Like, but that's my stuff. Like it's your, it's different. It's different when it's your stuff. It's a, it's a different ball game. Yeah. 100%. And so I don't, I don't want it to sound like I'm knocking people who want to conserve what they did. I am going to knock the boots, the bootstrap mentality though. Because the I pulled myself up by my bootstraps and I had to do it this way. So should you? Like I, it really annoys me when I hear parents say, "Oh, well, back in my day, I had to do it this way," as if like your child is suddenly ungrateful for uh for or whatever because they have it so easy. But the entire point of you becoming a parent and providing for your child the way that you do is so that they do have it easier. Because you shouldn't want your child to have things as hard as you may have had them. Or harder. Now, if your child has become certainly like has become like bonafide ungrateful for things or doesn't rec- or doesn't recognize the amount of work that has gone into making life easier for them, sure, we can have that conversation and that's an important conversation to have so that they understand the, what did what was sacrificed right, to gratitude. Give them that. Yeah, absolutely. But absolutely. But to complain that they simply have it easier or that my generation has it easier just because uh because of the way things are now and oh well you're a better person because or whatever because you pulled yourself up by your bootstraps like the entire purpose of society advancing forward is so that no so is so that eventually people don't have to pull themselves up by their bootstraps and so that eventually well, everyone that, can have things a little bit easier and that that phrase is a it, it's literally an oxymoron uh the history of that phrase it it, it used to mean an impossible task because the physics of you pulling yourself up by your bootstraps is literally impossible because you have to push down to get the leverage to pull up. So it's an impossible task. And that's the, that's it. So (laughs) when you say, well, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, you're telling them do this impossible thing. Yes, exactly. Um, It's like going to the moon. We didn't do it. We didn't. And it's like, Um, it's like, but why should I have to, you had to walk to school three miles in the snow. Why I don't have to like, that's not the thing I respect you for. And that's not the thing you should want me to respect you for. (laughs) Like, that's not the thing I respect you for is the fact that you take your kid to school and you drop them off in an air conditioned or heated car so that they don't have to do that. You know what I mean? Like the thing I respect you for is providing for your family in a way that allows them to have the comforts that maybe you missed out on. And I feel (laughs) bad that you missed out on them. Don't get me wrong, but like, I don't respect you for missing out on them. I respect you for the things that you've accomplished since then. Like, and honestly, like Pat Oswalt does a bit about uh, natural birth and he's like, you know what pioneer women were hoping for back in the good old days when they were, birthing their child underneath the prairie schooner, a hospital, a nice clean place with (laughs) special juice that could make the pain go away. And doctors and nice white coats. I would tell them like, Oh, you're the, 
it's crowning, it's cresting, it's, you know, who knew what they were talking about and not just Jedediah, who, like, like, you think the pioneers respect you more for doing it the way they did? Like, are you kidding me? They look at you and be like, dude, you had a hospital. Yeah, why did you? Why, why would you do it this way? Now, you two, have now, two people who have done natural birth for whatever well, reason. Who go natural childbirth—that's awesome. But I'm don't 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 be like, oh well, you know, it's I'm it's doing just it because the pioneers. This is, yeah. How did it? If that's why you're doing it, if you're doing it because it's like, well, it's easier, it's more natural, it's a more effective method. Go for it. But if you're doing it because you think the pi- that's how the pioneers did it, yes, and like one out of every three women died in childbirth. And there's a reason and that we built hospitals like, now. Definitely the child death rate was more, you know, child mortality was through the roof. So it's like, yes, there have been advantages made. Natural childbirth is awesome if you can do it, <laughs> but yes. don't think it's because, well, the pioneers aren't going to look at you and be like, that's a real woman right there. The pioneers would be like, why wouldn't you go to the place with the drugs? Yeah. Why wouldn't you go to the place that made this easier for you? Because it's this already hurts hard. so bad. This hurts and so this is, And this is bad. my overall point. The thing that we should be doing, and this is the thing that seems clear in scripture, is the thing we should be doing is the thing that makes life easier for as many people as possible. Whether it's, and when I say easier... Um, Out, outside of like clearly instructed scripture. Yes. Like if Jesus is like, go right... You need to go right. Yeah. And, and but when I say easier, I don't mean without Jesus, struggle. Yeah. But, but where they, they're less do, do no harm. You know, I mean, that's a basic Christian principle. And I took an entire class in ethics all semester where we talked about how, how do you do that? How do you Ooh. live a life that does Ooh. no harm to people? Tony, you just pulled a faux pas. You just sounded like yeah. that psychology major that took like gen psych and then started psychoanalyzing all of their friends. I took an ethics class this no, no, semester. No. I'm not, and I'm not, no, no, I'm not saying that. No, no, I'm I saying know, that was the entire question. <laughs> shut up. You shut up. But that's such a deep question that takes. How do we do like, no harm? How yeah. do you do that? How do you live a life where you live no harm? Shh, faux pas. I'm not smarter. <laughs> I didn't come up with an answer. I wish I did. That'd be great. Um, we but can that's do that the now. point is like, that should be the question that we do is like, how do we do no harm? And and this is the point that we get to when it talks about this article, because it's like, this is a person, this is an individual who's not a moral person. I mean, you can talk about the politics left and right. You can talk about the ethics of his trade agreements and the tariffs and the, the, Bailouts for, you know, the wheat farmers because of that, uh, the, and you know, the abortion um, rollbacks, uh, the FDA rollbacks, um, not FDA, sorry. Uh, uh, what's the one that does uh, the water F- oh. treatment, oh, um. well, even net neutrality. And I mean, we can talk about all that, you know, all day, but in his personal life and in the public life, he has exhibited a lack of morals that goes by what the Bible is mentioned. Yeah. Well, and I would, and, I would and, challenge, I would challenge one more thing with that too. If, if you're worried that like, Oh, Pence would be the person that replaces him. If we, if we, if the impeachment is fully successful and, and the Senate trial, it goes through like, Oh, well then Pence is president and he's worse. What I, I, I would, I would challenge you to not weigh Pence versus Trump, but weigh Pence versus the historical precedence that is set if we simply ignore impeachment laws or like the way our government actually functions as a government at its core for that's what I would, that's what I would weigh. 
right? Like, yeah, it's the law. If he broke it, he broke it. And if Pence is the next president until, you know, the election, I guess we reap what we sow on that. If, if Pence is such a bad thing. but, But, and here's the thing. Okay. Then again, we can talk about the politics of it, but the point was, the morality of yes. this individual is what we are questioning. We'll question the morality of the next individual when they come in regardless and the next individual who's elected, regardless of party, when they come in, um, we, we should, we should question, right? I mean, like the Bereans, yep. that was what made them. What was the phrase? They were more honorable is the translation uh, because they questioned, they sat there and said, is this what the Bible is really about? They looked at society um, and, and they said, is the Bible fitting what this guy is telling me? And that guy happened to be Paul. And it turns out it was, is the Bible fitting what this president is telling you is his life, the way he's living it, fitting what the Bible is telling you. And, and, and one thing that should be made clear here is the president by saying that the Bible is his favorite book by talking about is the submitting Bi- himself yes, to correct that. He is submitting himself to that to that authority and that, and that authority, which means you have you the have the of obligation God, to do that. It's different if this is an atheist president pastor. or a Muslim president yeah. or whatever. It's it's a different ball game there than it is for a president who says, "I am a Christian and I believe these things and I do these things and the Bible's my favorite book." And right, the morality. Yeah. Yeah. Again, you can argue the politics. We can talk about the politics. We're not here to do that. We're talking about the morality of it. And we should involve ourselves in that and say, no, you're not allowed to. Um, that's not okay. And we can, I mean, and I'm sure, and I got this at the elections. Oh, well, the moral, you know, Hillary's a thief and this. Okay, sure. Then when she gets elected, I will quit. If you think I'm not questioning her morality either. Yeah. Or the, the morality the of anybody that's elected. The current president yeah. we have. That's the reality that we have. That's who I'm questioning because he got elected. I'll question the next person. I question the morality of a lot of people in politics. He also questions my morality quite a lot. I question Ryan's morality. I question my morality. More Ryan's morality just because it's fun. Yeah, it's, to, it's, a, know, thought ex- it's a thought experiment. You know, it's just a, just yeah. a good time. It's a good, it's a good hey, Friday Ryan. night activity with your friends. Hey, Ryan. <laughs> If you were a hot dog, would you eat yourself? <laughs> no. No, I was no I would I not. know I would. I smother myself in onions and mustard. Where is this no, from? But I, where, I think what, where is this from? I, that's the that's the uh that's the Will Ferrell sketch from SNL where oh, he does um, yes. okay. What's the Chicago Cubs announcer? Uh uh Cubs win, Cubs oh, I can't remember oh, his name now. Why is it I know it too. I was just in Chicago. Chicago, Chicago, Chicago. Chicago. Yeah, so he plays uh, with the big old glasses, and oh man, it's killing me. Anyway, Google Chicago baseball announcer, and his his name will come up. But yeah, that's he does that. I think that one specifically was. Um, I want to say that one specifically was the episode with Jeff Goldblum where he did that. But I think we can all agree. Uh, the Jeff Goldblum is a beautiful okay, human Yeah, I was going to no. say, I think, I think he, when he say, I think we all can agree, that's usually something that is guaranteed that no one can agree on. That's I like think the, that I stand by my like, statement. That's Jeff like Goldblum the, is a like beautiful the, human I'm not being. racist, but that's what that is. <laughs> we talked about the word but before. Um, 
I, you know, I think it's something that we need to, we have a consensus on kind of coming back to the point, like we need to be able to separate our politics from not separate our politics, but acknowledge the morality of whoever it is. And I guarantee you, I guarantee you the next person who's up here, uh, by the way, I question Obama's morality, dude. He, he allowed for drone strikes on unarmed civilians. I question that. And I, I don't support that. Um, I mean, whether or not the intelligence was faulty and we can get into that, but I question them. That's yep. not okay. And he smoked, which is why I also brought that up because he smoked cigarettes. Yeah. Now he did it outside away from people, whatever, but he smoked cigarettes. And I'm like, look, I get it that it's a stressful job, but that's, you're causing other people. Care. If they're nearby, you're giving them cancer. You have to question those things. And I think it's, it's, it's important for us to support the government that is there, that is a clear biblical mandate. But I think it's also important for us to hold it accountable. So basically what we're um, saying is that's vote where, in 2020. That's, that's this entire well, episode. Vote, vote, and also get involved in your local community to the point where you can show people what a correct moral life does. Okay, and here's the only reason why I say we should. This is the only reason why. Well, the two reasons why. Number one, God told us to do it. Number two, I truly believe in my heart of hearts that a moral life lived according to the Christian structure and the Christian way of life is one that is going to make you a better citizen of this country and of the world, a better human being, and a, just a better person. And we don't mean comparison-wise, like better than Not other in comparison. people. We I just mean, mean like you'll better be a better according person. According to you. Yeah, better You're you. You're going to be the best you and the more you live according to that life, the better you you're going to be. I don't mean like better than the Islamics, but I, you will begin to become a better person the moment you begin living your life according to the way Jesus Christ and begin applying those principles and allowing him to transform your life. And, and, and I think we have the right when people put themselves in a public sector to work for us, to represent us to hold them to those more. If you say you're a Christian and you represent Christians, you need to live your life in a way that represents Christians. So I will go back to the, 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 okay. Yes, it was leaked pictures, but the representative that was, you know, inappropriately braiding, you know, one of her, her staffers oh, hair. Yeah. Okay. Hey, hold them to the same standard. Now I think you need to ask, okay, what was going on? You know, I, you know, jokingly, was that a really hot day? Um, but, but at the same time, holding to those standards, I'm not holding her that Katie. I can't remember her name. Something. It was, it was, I want to say Katie. Something. I heard about that um, way after it happened, but even Al Franken. Yeah. And, and, like, and, and I'm holding her to the same people, standard. Yes, there are people who have stepped down and suddenly like, we're just dismissing a bunch of this because we think this is our guy. And yep. this is, this is, this and, is, I think my, it is. My biggest thing here is not just recognizing whether it's political or moral, but recognizing and being able to speak into the overlap, like rec yes. and taking the opportunity to speak into those moments where those two worlds at least. collide and overlap at least. Yeah. That yeah. is where our, I think our, our civic duty and responsibility lies as far as our Christianity is concerned. I don't think that means we legislate our own beliefs onto everyone else. I don't think that necessarily means that, like there are states that I was just reading this earlier.
there are states that are requiring a specific kind of abortion reversing process that the study was deemed so dangerous they canceled it almost immediately. And there are some states that still require hospitals and treatment centers to offer this as a service. And like the studies on it were deemed too dangerous to continue almost immediately. So the studies couldn't even come to a conclusion with actual numbers because they said, no, we're not going to subject people to this. Um, that's like, there are times where we do need to actually speak up and, and, um, and, and, and say this, this is causing harm. This is causing harm. Yes. This exactly. is causing harm. If we want to talk about I, don't go 46 and a 45, that's fine. But if you want to, if, if you know, we can, we can agree to disagree, yes. but if you want to talk about like, is murder okay? Or is immigration, like we, if, if the way that you handle these policy issues or these, these political issues, if, if they overlap with your moral obligations as a Christian, then as a Christian, you guess what? That's where you speak up and say something. Um, and so I think that's what we're doing here. And to anyone that we may have offended, I've, I've talked to us. Let's yeah, talk about it. Let's have a conversation. Like, because, because I believe that I have much more in common with, I mean, I have a, I have a very close family member that votes Republican and we have discussions about it and we talk about it. And, and, they also agree that this individual in office is, is like, you know, that Trump needs to be, you know, is immoral and needs to be impeached, but, but they still vote Republican and they have, you know, Republican yeah. views and we talk and we discuss and we have a lot in common and, and uh, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not afraid to have a discussion with you because that's how we grow. That's how I adjust. That's how you adjust. That's how we come well, to and, a better conclusion. And, let me, and we have a lot more in common. We do. Cause we can all yeah. agree that certain things are just stupid and, and we me, can find those stupid things and laugh about them. Let me be, let me be really clear too. Cause we always say that we're happy to disagree and have anyone we have disagree, come on the show and talk with us. I get that. It's not your turf. It's our turf. If you do that. So I'm willing to have that conversation in whatever format would make you feel the most comfortable to do so. Um, if that means it's a one-on-one, -on -one, if that means you just want to talk with Tony for an episode or me for an episode, if that means you want to talk with both of us, that's fine. I can understand why you may not want to. That's totally fine. Um, but I want to do, I want this to be a space where we can have those conversations. And so I really want to be clear in that I'm willing to make whatever concessions or accommodations that are reasonable that I can make um, to, in order to facilitate that kind of conversation. So um, I have never made that clear in the past and going into 2020, I think it is uh, really important to make that clear. So I'm making it clear now. If you are someone who disagrees with us on anything we've ever talked about, I'm willing to do whatever I can in order to accommodate uh, the opportunity for you to make that known and have a real conversation with us because that's what this space is about. Yes. Perfect. Was I... Supposed to fight you? I disagree no. 100%. No, you're fine. Okay. I just right. love then that yes. that we ended that awkwardly. Um, no, I, uh, hey, I think. So fight, fight me? I think, fight me? I think, I think Tony's is silence there uh, is me? a clear indication that both of us are tired and it looks like this episode <laughs> is pretty much wrapped up. So um, somewhere in the tired Guys, ramblings of. Happy 2019. Yeah, happy 2019 and happy new year, uh, depending on happy when you're new listening year. to this episode, because this is both the last episode of 2019. The last episode the of the 2010s episode. decade and the first yeah. episode of the 2020s decade of the, the, the 20s. 
and the first episode of 2020. That's what this episode is. So we did it. Um, hey, we I, did it. You're awesome. Yeah. You thank guys are you beautiful. For all your support. Uh, and we're looking forward to seeing where this heads next. So take care, guys. We'll see you next week. <laughs>